This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon, Craig. Good afternoon. Let's first reflect on those comments yesterday from Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, who said that interest rates would continue to rise until the Fed sees what he called clear proof that inflation is slowing. But what was interesting about uh, his comments is that he's conceded that rising rates could actually lead to a recession. Yeah, it feels like we've been getting to this point for quite a while, to be honest. Recession has been talked about a little bit over the last few months, but the Fed has maintained its message that it believes it can achieve a soft landing, even though historically when we're seeing rates rise at the pace that we have been, it has typically led to a recession. But as always, this time is different. It seems to have been the belief within the central bank and even some outside the central bank as well uh, that because the savings rate has been so high over the course of the pandemic, which means aggregate saving levels are very high, that would sustain households and the consumer, even though prices are rising uh, very fast, and even though wages are rising, but not keeping up with the levels of inflation, even though household bills and uh, fuel prices are are at record levels. The Fed was of the belief that the the households can sustain uh, this period of high interest rates as well without falling into a recession. But slowly but surely, we are seeing uh, that viewpoint change. And while a recession is by no means the base case currently, as far as the central bank and the markets is concerned, I do feel like it's not too far away until we start seeing it uh, referred to as almost inevitability, a price to pay for price stability. At this point in time, they're still holding off. They're still determined to avoid a recession. But if you're going to be raising rates by 75 basis points at every meeting in order to try and get to grips with inflation, most of which is almost out of your control because it's being driven by external factors like uh, supply issues, like the war in Ukraine, etc., then it's going to be very difficult ultimately to avoid that recession. So I think over the next few months, we could potentially see this recession being talked about a lot more. We're already seeing it have a negative impact on the markets. This last week, we've seen a big sell-off in the equity markets um, uh, as a result of more recession chat. We're not yet seeing the inverted yield curve again, even though it did nip into that territory uh, a week or two ago, but it came out again quite quickly. So we're not really in inverted yield curve territory yet, but we are in bear markets in equities and There are a lot of signs that we are heading that way. But as I say, the US in particular is better positioned to avoid a recession than most. We look here in the UK, the Bank of England threw the towel in many months ago and has almost been preparing for a recession by only raising interest rates by 25 basis points each meeting because they don't want to deepen any recession that we do. Uh, inevitably have. So I I do think eventually the Fed will probably come around to the idea that recession is going to happen. But at this point in time, they are just leaving it out there that it is now, as in Jerome Powell's word, certainly a possibility, which I imagine at some point over the coming months will become a probability and so on and so forth. Previously, we've seen Jay Powell talking about raising interest rates to stave off a possible recession. Now he's saying it's a possibility. So where does that leave the likes of the Bank of England. Of course, yesterday we saw a new inflation rate, 9.1%, the fastest for 40 years. The Bank of England, as you said earlier, has kept those rates fairly low in order to prevent what it hopes won't be a recession. But where does that leave them now? If the US is saying, well, 
it's going to be a recession no matter what. The Bank of England's almost in a different position to the Fed because, as you said, as I said earlier, the Bank of England's been raising rates at a slower pace. They started earlier, but they've been raising rates at a slower pace, so they're now behind where the Fed is in terms of where their rate currently is, and the expected rate by the end of the year is slightly lower as well. Although, as far as the Bank of England's concerned, it's probably still too high, and. The central bank is kind of working under the impression that an inf- a recession is going to happen and therefore they don't want to raise rates too fast because that will just make the recession even worse. Uh, so the inflation data yesterday, I mean, it was a mixed bag. I mean, inflation at 9.1% is, is terrible, frankly, but they expected to peak at above 11%. Core inflation was actually a little bit better than expected, which I think is an encouraging sign. But the issue that the Bank of England has, and they alluded to it last week, it's that they believe that 80% of their inflation overshoot is being driven by energy and core goods. In other words, factors which are to a large extent out of their control. They can't control energy prices and core goods uh, is something that's almost out of their control as far as their monetary policy impact is concerned. When you take that into consideration on top of the fact that they already seem to have conceded that a recession is going to happen later this year, it's hard to almost compare the two situations in uh, in the US and the UK. The, U- the situation here in the UK is arguably far more dire at this point in time, but perhaps we will reach a point at some stage where the US is, is talking in a very similar manner. One more item to talk to you about regarding central banks and uh, Turkey's central bank, the CBRT, has held rates today. Yeah, they have. I mean, the CBRT is, I mean, it's an interesting case all on its own, right? This is a central bank that already had uh, very high inflation in the middle of last year and it started cutting rates from 19% gradually down to 14% by the end of the year on this misguided belief driven by President Erdogan but filtered through the central bank uh, that inflation was caused by high interest rates and the way to deal with high inflation is to cut interest rates very much going against the grain as far as general monetary policy theory goes and they've undertaken a policy of cuts to try and reduce inflation and what's actually happened is it's ballooned completely out of control so now inflation is running at 73.5 percent which kind of puts our problems into perspective and the central bank is doing nothing about it they're continuing to almost uh, review their monetary policy framework to try and find an alternative way they believe the secret to price stability lies in the current account and they are looking to implement alternative measures in order to try and get inflation under control. But they're just simply losing the battle and they refuse to admit it. So you're in this situation now where inflation, as I say, is at 73.5%, just to reiterate because of how staggering a level that is. The currency has been falling heavily uh, again, back now towards not too far from the lows it actually achieved later on last year when it was implementing this incredible monetary policy stance before a version of capital controls was implemented in order to try and get the currency back under control. Uh, And now there's basically no faith in the central bank to fix the issues that it has. I mean, this is going to be a long-term, long-standing problem. And the issue that this almost creates and one of the biggest problems almost in many ways with it is aside from the fact that we are dealing with a very misguided approach to monetary policy and a very stubborn approach as well because they refuse to admit their errors and they refuse to uh, accept that they are taking Turkey down a, a very worrying path 
They're doing so at the worst possible time. They're doing so at a time when central banks around the world are rapidly raising interest rates in order to try and get to grips with prices. So you've got Turkey easing monetary policy or adopting approach of much lower interest rates than they should have, and you've got other central banks doing quite the opposite. So that exacerbates the problem that they have in the FX markets. So they have a massive job on their hand right now, and the approach now seems to be cross your fingers and hope it gets better. And that's simply not going to work. At some point, something is going to have to change. But you look at the statements that they put out, the fact that they blame external factors, they blame supply chains, they blame the geopolitical situation, etc., etc., the only people who are not pointing the finger of blame at is themselves. And until that changes, then it's uh, worrying times. OK, let's talk about gas supply fears and a number of different stories running today. Germany has taken a step closer to gas rationing after a drop in supplies from Russia, of course. And uh, the Italian gas connection is also a concern. What is happening there? So we've effectively had um, supply disruptions to countries within Europe, most notably Germany and Italy, because they are the two biggest markets for Russian gas. So we've had some maintenance issues which have been undertaken, although a number of people are looking at the situation and looking at the issues and eyeing it with a degree of suspicion, simply because not only are we seeing a massive cut in the amount of gas going to these countries, uh, but also there's no appetite to reroute the gas via other channels. So Ukraine offered uh, to route the gas via Ukraine uh, to these countries and uh, it was rejected ultimately uh, by Gazprom. That suggests that there is something else at play here, that this is not just simply a case of maintenance issues reducing flows, that this is a case of Europe is currently in the midst of trying to increase its gas reserves ahead of winter, which is typically what happens at this time of year in order to avoid rationing later on in the year and a price spiral. So by effectively stopping these flows going to these countries, you're exacerbating the issue and there's an obvious gain to be had when you have Europe sanctioning Russia for the war in Ukraine. This very much appears, or at least the argument goes, that this is a retaliatory measure as a result of that in order to pile on the pressure later on this year. The other big concern now, though, is there is planned maintenance now on the Nord Stream 1 pipeline, and that is actually planned for two weeks in July. There are now great fears that this is going to be used as another excuse to prolong a period of disrupted gas flows and further create disruptions in terms of the ability of these countries to stock up gas going into the winter and, again, create massive issues further down the road. So I think this is going to be a massive focal point now in the coming weeks and months. We've already seen massive surges in European gas prices as a result of this. And this is also at a time as well when we are seeing other disruptions. For example, we saw the issues at the US facility, which supplied LNG to Europe. They've had massive issues. That's disrupted supplies. It was meant to be thought for a few weeks, and it now looks as though it's going to be mostly until the end of the year. So now, again, just further squeezing the available flows that could enable uh, Europe to transition away from its dependence on Russian gas at a time when it would appear that Russian gas is being weaponized against Europe. It doesn't augur well for the winter to come, does it? It doesn't. And that's what I mean. I think the next few weeks are going to be critical to telling us whether we are going to be talking about high prices and praying for warmer weather in winter or 
a full-on crisis as far as the energy market in Europe is concerned and how they're going to deal with that, whether that is going to be focus on certain industries, uh, rationing, uh, whether that is going to be something more extreme like power outages and power cuts uh, later on in the year. We're obviously going to look for an alternative types uh, of energy. And I think there's already been a lot more focus now on trying to increase the use of coal, which flies in the face of environmental policies. Uh, but I mean, desperate times, it seems, calls for desperate measures. And I think we're going to see a lot more desperate measures adopted in the coming months now, because I think the next six, seven, eight months is going to be uh, desperate times as far as global energy markets are concerned, but in particular for Europe, who are particularly reliant on what is now an extremely unreliable partner. Okay, Craig, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you. This is the Oanda Podcast.